Well, welcome again, everyone. For those of you tuning in online or here in person, we're so glad that you are with us as we start this brand new series of five-parter that we've called All in the Family. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start by thinking of the weirdest family member that you have in your family. Now, you gotta be careful because that person might be sitting right beside you, whether you're at home, across from the table, eating breakfast, or here in person, and so you can't give it away, right? So hide. Hide your reaction. I want you to think about the weirdest person in your family. Two people came to mind for me. Two people. I had a cousin one time over the Christmas holidays. They decided to learn the Klingon language so that they could speak to us. Now, Klingon, if you don't know what this is, it's connected with the Star Trek movement. And it also involves a lot of guttural spitting and saliva, and it really sounds like somebody's speaking a combination of German and Russian at you, and you are just, you need a face shield. Like, it's a COVID-friendly language when you've got a face shield on, and that person was amazing, it was super fun, they were quirky, but then I started to think a little bit more. And the weirdest person in our family, it's actually me. It's actually me. Now, just before I tell you why, hey kids, age three to grade three, out in the boulevard right now, if you're here in person, we have stuff happening for you. And bonus, grade four and five, we're starting club four or five today. You are able to participate, again, right out in the boulevard. We're gonna take you to the appropriate spaces in our facility, and it's gonna be a great time. And if you're tuning in online and you're in that age bracket, we have content just for you at CentennialRoad.com. Click on the Watch Now button for C-Road Kids and you can be involved and connect with your friends. So back to me, the weirdest family member that I know. I don't only dress weird, I don't cut, just cut my hair weird, I talk a little bit funny, I might look a little bit funny, but here's one of my favorite snacks. I will take a block of marble cheese I will cut it up into slices. I will take a bottle of Catalina salad dressing. I will grab those slices of cheese and put a nice little strip of Catalina dressing on the cheese. No other vegetables, no other green stuff or orange stuff or whatever, just the cheese and the dressing. That's a little bit weird. Family, it's complicated. Family, it's complicated. Many of us have great memories with our family. Many of us have hard memories with our family. And the truth is, belonging to a family isn't always easy. Now, the moment you and I make the choice to receive the gift of love and the gift of salvation that Jesus so freely offers us, we not only inherit the best version of life now before eternity, but eternal life. And in addition to all of that, we also get welcomed into a family. Now, you maybe have heard this saying before, you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. That is not more true than it is when it talks about the body of Christ. The Bible is chocked full of references where it talks about the followers of God, the followers of Jesus as the family of God. We don't get to pick who's in and who's out of that family. That's God's decision. And because we're a family, we're going to have to learn how to get along together. So over the next five parts. We're going to dig into different pieces of what it means to be a family and see what we can learn and uncover together so that we can be the best kind of family possible in this day and in this age. Today, we're talking about trust. 
learning to trust. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible, the first book in what we refer to as the Old Testament, chapter 22. I'm going to be reading the first 13 verses from this text, and I want you to keep it open because we're going to keep referring back to it time and time again throughout our time together today. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep. For the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Talk about a complicated family situation. You imagine having conversation about that from that moment forward? Hey, Dad, you remember that time you were going to almost kill me? (laughs) Uh, Good thing I can do that to you now. We're going to back up a little bit and get a little bit more of a background understanding as to why this is so significant. Isaac, the boy in this story, had two parents, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were set apart by God. God visited them and said, hey, I'm choosing you to chart a brand new course for human history. I want you to start a new family. I want you to start a new community, a new group of people, a nation that is going to be blessed by me so that they can be a blessing to everybody around them. That's what I want you to do. The only problem was Abraham and Sarah were older in age and they didn't yet have children. So imagine you're invited into something that's seemingly impossible. Hey, you're gonna do this and you're like, okay, but I don't know how that's gonna happen. 
In fact, over a different set of variations, they thought one way, shape, form, or another, this promise was gonna be fulfilled. They took an extended family member with them, somebody who was younger, a nephew named Lot, and they said, okay, maybe he's gonna be our heir, the person to be grafted into our family, the person to carry on this legacy that God has talked to us about. That didn't happen. Then they had a, a, a light kind of brain idea, and they were like, well, well what if, okay, Sarah was like, I can't get pregnant. So Abraham, why don't you try and get somebody else pregnant that's connected with us, and maybe that will be the kid through which we can build this family. So of course, they, they tried that. Well, that didn't work out so well. Finally, when they were well past the age of childbearing and child rearing, like really old, into their like 90s, the Bible tells us, that's when Sarah becomes pregnant with Isaac. Yay! <laughs> Surprise! And in that moment, they finally understood, I get it. What is seemingly impossible, God can make a way forward. God can create something that is possible. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about trust a little bit more. And there are three stages of development of trust that we're going to highlight together today. The first is this, observation. The second is this, testing. And the third is implementation. Let's dig into observation for just a moment. This is an apple. Sir Isaac Newton is credited with the discovery of gravity. Interestingly enough, gravity existed before we called it gravity and well after we've called it gravity. The story goes that he was watching an apple tree and he saw an apple fall from the tree and land on the ground. And he started to think about, think about that a little bit and say, what is the force behind that action that I am seeing? It sparked some curiosity. See, what we see, you and I, what we see can make all the difference in terms of where our mind goes and what we become curious about. If we look at the story between Abraham and Isaac with this lens in mind, here's what we see. The part that gets me all the time is when Abraham's like, he gets these instructions from God, he's willing to follow through, he, he takes a, a group of people together, I think there's four of them, and then he leaves the two servants behind, and he and his son continue on, and Isaac asks a great question. He's like, Dad, I know we're going to worship. I see like the fire and, I, and the wood, but where's the sacrifice for the offering? Where is it? Abraham quickly replies, well, God is going to provide. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that was good enough for Isaac to keep walking. That was good enough for Isaac to keep walking. How many times in our own lives, when God shows us part of the story, we look at it, we analyze it, we stand back, we see it, and we're like, that's cool, but I want something else. See, the first stage of developing trust is through observation. What is it that we see? This isn't the first time that, God, that Abraham saw God working and moving in his own life. We already talked about the birth of Isaac and the miracle that it was. That wasn't the only time. There was battles that he faced that he should have lost and he won. There was moments when God rescued them from what we would call an extreme set of circumstances. He saw God deliver time and time and time again. Time and time again, he saw it, he witnessed it, he lived it, because he was looking in the right place. 
See, sometimes you and I, we're not looking in the right place. We end up the opposite of Isaac and we get fixated. Yeah, but where's the, where's the offering? Where's the offering? Where's the offering? Where's the offering? That's all we can see is what is missing instead of what is already present. What if you and I would allow ourselves to be shaped and moved by God so that we can see exactly what it is that he wants us to see and be content with that? That's when we start building trust. That's when we start building trust. We can see it. That's the first stage. Problem is that trust doesn't just stay there. It has to keep growing or it's not trust. It moves into a second stage of development called testing. Testing. Sir Isaac Newton, when he was watching these apples fall from a tree, he didn't just think to himself, hmm, that's interesting. I think I shall call that gravity. No, he went into a series of tests testing a whole bunch of different ideas about what gravity could or couldn't do. Dropping different objects from different heights, different weights, all these sorts of things. Why did he do that? Because he was gathering information. See, what we see can begin to inform what we know. What we see can begin to inform what we know through a process called testing. This section of scripture, I've got a footnote, a kind of a, a, a subtitle over this chapter in my Bible and it says, God tests Abraham. God tests Abraham. And it's true. It's a big test for Abraham to be willing to sacrifice his own son because God told him to do that. But he's not the only one being tested. You know the other relationship being tested in here? Between father and son. Can you imagine being Isaac? Your dad said that, that a sacrifice was gonna be provided. You've got the wood, you've got the fire. You get to the place that you're supposed to be. You build this altar. Maybe you're helping your dad gather rocks and constructing it. You're looking around, you're putting two and two together and you're like, hey, what is going on here? Then your dad starts tying you up. Okay, if you're not, if you're not having some family crisis moments, when, when somebody in your family starts physically tying you up, that's something to take note of and be concerned by, right? Something inappropriate is going to be happening here. What's going on? But yet he stays silent. He's, he's trusting that his dad knows what is best. His dad told him that God is going to provide. So he's like, okay, this makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I am going to participate in this. And I got to think to myself, like, at what point did he start to get really nervous? Was it when his dad actually reached for the knife? Was that the moment? Was it the moment where he saw his dad crying and going, like, I can't believe I'm going to do this? Like, emotional anguish? What, at what point did Isaac get nervous? Like, this guy isn't just somebody that's oblivious to what's happening. He's well aware of what's happening. He asked that question, where is the sacrifice? See, building trust means that we not only see certain things, we're not only aware of what's happening around us, but we're also subject to a series of tests. This, this plays itself out in all sorts of different relational capacities. Uh, let's talk about an upper elementary school kind of tradition. 
You know, maybe you were being in your classroom and there was somebody in your classroom that you started to notice and started to get a crush on. And so you wanted to find out the information, whether or not they reciprocated your feelings, right? It was a test. And so you got one of your friends to write the most famous note. Do you like me? Yes or no? Check the box, right? And then a lot of times you'd get that note back and it would be like, maybe. And you're like, what, what do I do with that information? Yes or no or maybe. I don't know what to do with maybe. In all sorts of ways, we're always testing each other in our relational strength. It's a form of trust. If I share this information with this person, are they going to keep it in confidence? If I ask them to pray for me or pray with me, will they actually follow through? If they say that they're going to be someplace at some time, can I count on it? We all have those family members that we know we can't count on. <laughs> we know because we're like, yeah, we, I've asked them to show up and they've never shown up before. But instead of looking, about, looking at other people and whether or not they can be counted on, what if we looked at ourselves? Can we be counted on? Can we, will we stand the test when God invites us or our friends invite us or a spouse or a sibling, or a child, or a grandparent, when they ask something of us, when they're testing the relational strength that we have, will we stand the test? Will we work our way through it? Or will we be completely opposite from Isaac? Like, I'm sure Isaac could have outran his dad. His dad was a very old man. He could have just booked it out of there. Why didn't he? Because he trusted his dad. He trusted him. If I'm honest with you, there are times when God invites me into something and I just don't trust. I want to book it out of there. Really, you're asking me to do that? <laughs> no way. Uh-uh. Too hard, too difficult, too awkward. Show me something else. Ooh, look, tinfoil. <laughs> right? We don't want to do what God has invited us into because it's seemingly too difficult, too hard. It'll cost too much. It'll cost too much. But if we're learning to trust, the only way forward in growing trust is working through the test and walking through the test. But that's not where trust ends. There's a third phase of development in learning to trust and building that. And that third phase is implementation. Implementation. You take what you see and what you know, and then you live from that point. If we had time today, we could go and analyze the entirety of Abraham's life, and you could see that in the beginning when God was giving him some invitations to try certain things or do certain things, there was a lot more hesitancy than there is right now in this story that we read. There was a lot more hesitancy. A lot more questions, a lot more weird actions that he did. In fact, at one point in time, he tried to pass off his wife as his sister, two separate occasions, because he was afraid if people found out that this was his wife, that they would kill him because she was beautiful. But when it comes to this point in time, you see this maturity process that Abraham has, has been immersed in. And instead of 
getting stuck in what he saw or getting stuck in the testing phase. He just lived from that standpoint. He said, God is going to do this. Okay, I'm going to trust 100%. I'm going to live from there. Even though the tendency for us as human beings is to go back to what we see, he resisted that temptation. He resisted it and he was like, you know what? No, I'm, I know this to be true, so I'm going to stand right on it. When Sir Isaac Newton finally came up with this brand new thing that was gravity, and everybody was like, ooh, gravity, what is it? It's when stuff falls from the sky and hits the ground. They're like, well, yeah, I've seen that before. But have you ever called it something? See, when you and I, when we walk through our lives, when we see what's around us, a lot of times we can mislabel what's happening. We can say, oh, that's by accident, or that's by a series of things that just happened, and now it came to be. We miss the intentionality behind all things. Everything. Several years ago, a group of scientists around the world did this incredible thing called the Human Genome Project. And their goal was to map the physical DNA of human beings. Took lots of study, lots of hours. And what they discovered is there are so many nuances and intricacies in one strand of DNA that in my opinion, it points to intelligent design. There's no other way that you can explain it. No other way that's like, okay, by some miraculous concoction of whatever, it just appeared out of nothing. It is so complex that they're still discovering more about it. See, what we see leads to testing, leads to experiencing, gathering information. And then from that moment forward, you and I have to make a decision. What is it that we're going to stand on? Unfortunately, a lot of times we stand on our doubt instead of certainty. Now, you can be certain and still have questions. 100%. You can be certain and still have questions. We're wired to be curious as human beings. That's a gift that God has given us. But are we shakable? Truth is, there's two kinds of people in our world. Those of us who trust easily and those of us who find it difficult to trust. Those of us who trust easily and those of us who find it very difficult to trust. And a lot of times, those of us who find it very difficult to trust, it's because we've been hurt, battered, bruised, beat up, betrayed. We've been hurt. And so instead of being willing to trust again, you know what we do? We protect ourselves. And oftentimes, unfortunately, what we do is we take this, this hurt that we've experienced from one another, and we project that right onto God. And we say, you know what? If people treat me like this, then for sure God's going to treat me like this. Let me tell you this. God's ways are way higher than human beings' ways. Way higher. Like where we fail, he excels. He is perfect. You never have to worry if you write him a note that says, do you like me? Check yes or no. You're not going to get a maybe. You're not going to get a no. You're going to get a yes. 100% guaranteed because God is love and he loves you. Despite what you are doing, have done, or will do in the future, he loves you. 
That is certain. You can stand right on that. You can take it to the bank. Just like gravity, that will never fail you. Ever. But the moment you feel uncertain or shakable, it's probably because you've moved away from that third stage of development in your trust back to stage one or even stage two. You're looking for something different to see. Or you're trying another test because you think you need more information. But at some point in time, you just gotta rest on that decision that you have made or that you are going to make and live from that point. Just like Abraham and just like Isaac. So let me ask you this. What kind of person are you? Do you trust easily? Or do you find it difficult to trust? Depending on who you are, you need to know two things. God still loves you and he can still work with you. He still loves you and he can still work with you. Even if you find it hard to trust, he's like, that's okay. Let my love carry you forward. Can you imagine from that moment on the conversations that they would have had around the family table in the dining tent of choice, right? Hey, dad, you remember that time where you almost killed me and then the ram was there? Oh, man, God is so awesome. <laughs> you are never looking at that place the same again. You're never looking at that person the same again. You're never looking at that experience the same again. You and I are given a gift here today where we're invited into a very similar reality. Our space, our place, that person, we're invited to see them just the way that God sees it. To test and know, to taste and see that he is good, and then to live from that point. Because the best version of life is the one that the author and designer of life has created for you to live. Bar none. COVID friendly or COVID non-friendly. It's the best version of life. And only he has the answer for what that looks like for you and I on a daily basis. That's why as a family, we want to try our best to live and love like Jesus, to live from that space of absolute certainty of what we know about God and what we know about ourselves. We're broken and we need him to put us back together. That's what it means to learn to trust. So as we start the dive into this summer, as we start this series, we're starting right at the basics of building trust because without trust, you do not have a vibrant functioning family. You don't have it. You need trust in God and you need trust in other people. And God will give you the strength to grow trust in both of those areas if you have the inability to do that on your own right now. He will give you what you need. He will help you learn to trust him and others and to live wisely from that place. We're gonna to go to a time of prayer today and as we do so, what I'd love for you to do along with me is I'd love for you to have an internal conversation with Jesus. Simply ask him, Do I trust you? Are there ways where I have missed the mark? 
And maybe for the first time, you're going to be like identifying, oh my goodness, I, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. If you want to start on a trust journey, that's where you begin. Stage one, right there. Show me who you are, God, and let me grow and build trust from that place. But for some of us, it's about our future. It's about our future. We have no idea what we're stepping into financially, health-wise. Will the economy recover? Will this job continue? Will I get a new job? What's going to happen if this person in my family marries that person in my family? What happens if they get divorced? What happens if I can never find somebody that loves me? What happens if my kids just deny me one day and they never want to come visit? All those questions are trust-related questions. And so what I want you to do is experience the invitation that Abraham experienced from God. Take all of those things that are most precious to you, put them on the altar, and look for the ram in the thicket. Because God will provide. Open your eyes to see that everything that you've walked through up until this point has got you right to this place so that you can know that God loves you. Everything, every pain, every heartache, every joy, right to this point. So that you can know that God loves you. Open your eyes to see the ram in the thicket. God will provide. And live from that place. Don't go back. Live from that place. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful that we can with absolute certainty stand on who you are. Not because we're greater than you, but because we need a firm foundation. Life at times feels like walking in quicksand and we're in over our heads and the more that we keep moving or the more that we keep trying to do, we sink further and further and further. We get more afraid, we get more confused. Instead, God, would you wipe all of that away and allow us to rest on who you are. We are loved by you. And Jesus, I know that there are people here today in this space and online who are really struggling with that truth. They do not yet know that you love them for whatever reason. Maybe it's because people who said that they were a part of your family have hurt them in some way. God, we live in a country where there's terrible, terrible history, where us as the church, the broad church, have inflicted damage on different groups of people throughout our history. I think of our indigenous community and all the things that are happening in the news right now. Jesus, it is not fair that people did something in your name that is not from you. Lord, would you heal that hurt and that brokenness and instead allow us to experience who you truly are. From that space, allow us to live. Allow us to move. Allow us to breathe. Allow us to experience life to the full. Jesus, you paid it all so that we don't have to. We embrace that gift that you've given us, this gift of free salvation that not only gives us quality of life in eternity, but quality of life right now, right now. Help us to live like you. Help us to love like you. So everybody that comes into contact with us would become curious because they see something in us that is like, oh my goodness, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing in this moment. Regardless of their gender, their age, their stage, even their sexuality, would you allow us to be people of love? 
people of love that draw people to you, that generate curiosity about who you are in our region and beyond. And Father, I pray in these next few moments as those of us who maybe have something that's really precious to us that we have yet to offer to you because we're afraid of what you're gonna do with it, I pray you give us the courage to put our Isaac, so to speak, right on the altar. Our future, our dreams, our hopes, our desires, our concerns, our questions, we're gonna put that right on the altar. And then God, help us to see the ram in the thicket. Help us to see the way forward that only you can make. We can't create it on our own. We need it from you. Father, without you, we are empty. All of life has been created to worship you. And because of that invitation, we, choose, we too will choose to worship. Father, would you bless us and protect us? Would you make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us? Would you give us your favor and your peace? I pray this in your name.